You are listening to the Hustle and Muscle podcast with Kimmy and Kayla. Hustle and Muscle is part of the Thoughtbox podcast network. Thoughtbox provides listeners with a collection of quality podcasts across the Southeast. Join us every Monday for empowering episodes about life, faith, and how to truly become a lady boss. We hope you feel inspired. A vision was laid out to Kimmy and I to host an entire month of episodes dedicated to the moms who inspire. We are hosting these episodes during September because it's Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. In the United States, over 15,000 children under the age of 21 are diagnosed with cancer every single year. So on today's episode of Hustle and Muscle, we are so excited to introduce you to our good friend, Amy Jepson. Amy's son, Andrew, is a part of that 15,000 statistic, and she's agreed to share her story with us. So welcome, Amy, on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Great. Can you start off by telling us just a little bit about yourself, your family, um, anything that you would think our listeners would love to know? <laughs> um, well, my name is Amy Jepson, like you said, and I'm married to Lee. I have three boys, AJ, Isaac, and Andrew. AJ is 14. He is our thinker, our driven son, um, goal-oriented, uh, but he gets bored quickly. Um, so we move through a lot of seasons with him and a lot of uh, different interests. And then we have Isaac. He is 12 years old, and he is our doer. And so he um, he's also a feeler. <laughs> so he's the first one to open the door, the first one to see if you need something, um, the first one to go chase away any supposed bad guys upstairs because <laughs> his brothers are too scared to go up there. Um, that's, that's our Isaac. And then there's Andrew, and he is the best of both of those um, other two. And yeah. so he uh, he's just solid. He's... Um, He's funny, he has like an old man sense of humor, and he's 10. And, um, and I am a stay-at-home mom, and um, this is our fifth year of homeschooling, so I'm wow. one of those moms. Wow. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, that keeps me busy. And yeah. Pretty much us. I'd say so. Yeah. Amy's pretty amazing. Yeah, uh, we actually talked about Amy on our podcast a we couple have. months ago in um, the Friends episode. So. Uh-huh. If you haven't listened to that episode, make sure you go back and listen to that episode. Yeah. So I actually met Amy in 2013. I met her in January. She kept popping up in places, and I kept seeing her. (laughs) And when it happens four or five times, I realized that God's doing that on purpose. Mm -hmm. She posted on her Facebook that she was going to host a Bible study. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking at my husband and saying, I'm going to join this woman's Bible study. He said, do you know her? I said, no, I have no idea who she is. (laughs) But she seems pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we just hit it off. Amy really poured into me that year. Mm -hmm. She had three boys. I had my two boys. Had no idea I was about to be pregnant with our third. And that summer, Amy just spoke a lot of hard truths into my life Mm -hmm. that I needed to hear but she spoke them with grace and love. And so I remember asking her if she would mentor me in this thing called motherhood. And she <laughs> laughed and said, okay. <laughs> and that summer, she just poured into me. She would suggest things to do with the boys, um, suggest things to do with my marriage. And uh, she just was someone I knew was a rock. Mm-hmm. And so we really hit it off. And then um, September hit. 
And so I will let Amy share more of that with you. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I was thinking before tonight of what God would want me to share. Mm-hmm. And so I will start, um, well, first let me say that um, there's two things that come into our story over and over again, and it's obedience and then God's faithfulness. And so I'll start um, a little bit, I won't go back 17 years of mine and Lisa's marriage, <laughs> and all the ways we've um, tried to be uh, and, and have been obedient to God's call in our life, but I'll just move back um, two years before Andrew was diagnosed. And um, Andrew was diagnosed um, October 29th of 2014. Mm. And so somewhere um, a year or so before that, um, maybe even two years, my, my uh, memory is a little blurry, um, Lee and I uh, had reached a point in the church we were attending um, just where we knew it was time for us to look elsewhere. Mm-hmm. We didn't really know exactly, uh, you know, what, what that was, but we, we started going to community church and um, met some folks there and... Um, uh, Along that same time, uh, it was just a year of change. So Lee is in the um, information technology field, and um, he's always worked a million hours. <laughs> and, um, and that's really not uh, too far off. Um, so he started really feeling like the Lord was leading him to go into business for himself. So he easily, uh, prior to this, would put in 60-plus hours a week, which left really little time um, for me and the boys. And so uh, as crazy as I thought it would be for him to go into business with, for himself with, you know, the loss of benefits and all those things, I, you know, we do like we know to do. And so we both just started praying over it and we really felt like it was time. And so he did that. He went into business for himself. <laughs> Um, which was scary. We yeah. weren't really sure uh, how that was going to work out for our family and why he was feeling so adamant that he needed to do it at that time. Um, along the same lines, um, I was a very involved mother in uh, my kids' public school. Mm-hmm. I served on the PTA board. I was friendly with the teachers. I was room mom hospitality chair, uh, <laughs> you name it, and I was at that school um, as much as I could. And along that same time, um, I kept, you know, I sit down in the mornings, um, not every morning, but a lot of mornings, and spend time with God. And um, in my prayers, uh, I just one day was praying about something, and it wasn't even anything major, but I was just praying for the boys, and I just felt like the Lord was said and whenever he's I felt like the Lord spoken to me it's been very few words mm-hmm. and it just lays on my heart heavy and so I just kept hearing in my spirit I'm bring them home and so I was like what <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean God um I'm I grew up thinking I would never be married and have kids and here I am a stay-at-home mom and now you're asking me uh to homeschool my children uh, so I sat on that um, for a year, and uh, what that looked like was several times I'd sit down to pray about something else, and I would just get alone with God, and I would hear that bring them home. Three separate times, I can tell you, that that just happened. And I was like, okay, I can't ignore this. And I knew I couldn't because sign after sign after confirmation. So I met people 
in community church for homeschoolers and just uh, a friend of mine decided at the same time I started having this that she was going to homeschool uh, and then what really topped it off um, is my husband came home one day and you have to understand his mom's a retired public school teacher mm -hmm. education is very important to my husband um, not really one that I thought would think of homeschooling not that he would think less of people who do but just I didn't never feel like it would be something he would feel led for our family to do and so I had been really this had been on my heart heavy and he comes home from work one day and he walks in hey honey how you doing get to talk and he was like hey have you ever thought about homeschooling the boys <laughs> and it was like mic drop what in the world happened and because I was really wrestling with it I, I it wasn't something I mean lady I had I had almost reached the like stay-at-home mom nirvana when like your last child goes to school full-time yeah I was there the next year Andrew everybody would have been gone eight hours a day <laughs> and I had worked hard for this <laughs> um but uh I just knew the Lord was telling me uh, bring them home Amy and then with Lee and with um, just confirmation from the Lord from different people and different things um, and the ease of which it was going to fall into place, I knew, mm -hmm. I knew. So we made the decision. So that year we had changed churches. Lee had gone into business for himself and we became homeschoolers. And all of that, <laughs> we just thought, well, the Lord's just, you know, asking us to do it. It's weighty. Um, you know, people in our new small group kind of, we were telling them they just, we were new to them and new to the small group and they just smiled and we'll pray for you and, um, <laughs> and so it still just looked kind of weird mm -hmm. at that point we didn't really know what God was doing but we knew these decisions were from God and we were obedient in them and so um, in that small group that we had joined from church we met uh, a, a gentleman um, Eric Newman and um, he has the Rock Solid Foundation and so uh, the, a lot of the people in our small group were active participants in that organization. And so my husband and him, Ali and Eric, became good friends. And Eric invited us on one of the Rock Solid builds. So this is May now of 2014. And um, so we went. And my family, Andrew, um, went. The boys went. And we all built a swing set because um, that's what uh, Rock Solid does. And they build swing sets or room makeovers for children uh, with pediat pediatric cancer. Mm -hmm. And so we helped build um, a swing set for a little girl named Kaylee. And um, it was just moving. As of that point, we knew zero people um, <laughs> uh, with childhood cancer. And um, we had no cancer in our family. Um, cancer wasn't a part of our life at all. Um, my children were healthy. Um, you know, I did all the nursing. Um, people weren't too crunchy. Uh, <laughs> and there weren't as many of those resources when my boys were first coming along, but I did as much as I can, could and knew about. And so, um, anyways, the cancer was just not on our radar. And yeah. so um, we went and built um, Kaylee's swing set. And again, it was just like, great, that was a great way for us to serve. We just felt good about that and didn't log it as anything uh, to really think more about other than maybe we'll just get involved and, um, you know, see what else our family can do. And about that time as well, um, there was a, a 
family at our church, um, the Thompson family, and um, they, uh, uh, the, the mother, Jenny, she actually was a teacher for my oldest son, who's 14, he was 12 at the time of Andrew's diagnosis, um, at a little gibbery playing music class. So I knew Jenny, and um, I had heard that her son um, also was uh, just recently diagnosed with cancer. There was going to be a surgery. A group of moms from our church was going to meet up at the, at the hospital and walk around the hospital praying um, while her son Gideon was in surgery. And I just felt led, like, okay, we're home. Uh, we're available. So I loaded the boys up and we went along and Kimmy was there. Um, and some other moms from our church, and we marched around that hospital seven times, just like the walls of Jericho, <laughs> yep. and Love we it. prayed, and um, so Andrew was there for that experience, and um, up until then, again, we, like, cancer, you know, we just, we, we didn't know anybody, and so, the, you know, again, we're just like, oh, that's another, you know, way for us to serve. We're still not thinking anything. There's no signs, nothing to be worried about as far as our family. So fast forward, Andrew was a soccer player, um, healthy kid, very active, um, happy, uh, just funny as all get out. He has this dry old man sense of humor. And so um, we are just living life. You know, I'm, I'm starting to figure out this homeschool thing. Um, I, we joined a community of um, homeschool, you know, homeschool community where we could meet once a week. Um, I met the director, find out she's a cancer survivor. The same time, Andrew had started taking piano lessons. His piano teacher was a formal childhood cancer survivor. Um, again, just, okay, coincidence, <laughs> you know, going through it. It's not like you even see all that, you yeah. know. So, you know, uh, this is all stuff we've looked back on. It was like, wow, God. So... Um, we're somewhere, you know, to September now and we're still, everything's good. Um, I, it's heavy soccer season, fall season and Andrew's playing, you know, practicing twice a week, game on the weekend, one game, um, two weeks before his diagnosis. I noticed like he's a, was a, he loved to run. Like we said, Andrew will never learn to ride a bike because he just wanted to run beside mm -hmm. his brothers. <laughs> and so um, he was a runner. And so on the field, we noticed he was just like not really giving it his all, you know, just kind of trying to participate but not being real mm -hmm. active. So get him off the field and uh, see what's going on. His brother had a game right after. So he was tired, you know, no big deal. Um, we get him in a car and um, we have a little bit of time between another game or something <laughs> like that. It was a busy day and we're on our way to Subway. <laughs> and so I'm asking what everybody wants to eat. And Isaac, and literally we've been on the road like maybe two minutes. And Isaac was like, Mom, Andrew's asleep. I was like, well, that's weird. He must be getting sick. So we pull into Subway. I feel his head and he's got a fever. I was mm -hmm. like, okay, well, we'll just go home. So we go home and I'm preparing for him to, you know, get a runny nose or maybe an upset stomach, some other sign other than a fever. So still nothing. Still nothing. And um, we, he goes to bed that night, wakes up the next morning, fever's gone. He's fine. Like, fine. There's no runny nose. There's no... Um, anything like that. So, um, 
So, uh, anyways, he um, <laughs> he uh, ignore the phone. <laughs> goes, yeah, he goes a couple days without any um, any symptoms, and then like three days later, the fever's back. And it's when I say fever, it's nothing alarming. It's like maybe a hundred point three, nothing ever over hundred and one. So it goes away again. Fever's gone. Comes back the next weekend, and I'm like, okay, fine. This is weird. I'm going to take him in to sit call. Sunday, this was Sunday, Monday in the morning. Um, we've had the same pediatrician for 12 years at this time. Yeah. Love her to death. And um, so I uh, knew I was going to take him in to the pediatrician's office. And I did like all good mamas do. And we, we Google. And so I Googled. And, um, and actually, let me back up just a minute. Before I Googled, I helped him in the bath. And so I, you know, he was eight at this time and I didn't really do much in the bathroom with him anymore. You know, I kind of checked on him, ran his water. He washed himself, his hair, whatever. Um, but that night he wasn't feeling good. So I decided I'd help him and he wanted me to. So I uh, helped rinse his hair. And when I'm rinsing his hair, I noticed he has a swollen gland on the side, side of his face. I'm like, well, we don't get glands <laughs> yeah. swollen on the, like on the jawline. Like, that's really bizarre. And so as I'm doing that, you know, I've got that logged in my brain now, fever, this. And then I notice um, bruises are pretty common in a house of three boys. Yeah. And so um, bruises on knees, bruises on anything, I, you know, didn't really alarm me. But he had little pinpoint bruises on his abdomen, like on his stomach. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, that's kind of weird. And at first I was like, maybe it's a rash because they were real small. And um, so anyways, those, those were the symptoms I had to go with. A fever, swollen gland, and some sort of bruisey rash looking thing. And um, so I uh, take him, you know, he goes to bed. I know I'm going to take him to the pediatrician. So I Google. And the first thing that comes up with those symptoms is leukemia. Um, yeah. Pretty common. Those are pretty common symptoms. Mm -hmm. um, so... And when I felt that, it was like, yeah, I know he uh, he's got cancer. Like I just knew, and mm. then I'm not, I'm not a hypochondriac <laughs> whatsoever. I will reason yeah. out stuff faster than anyone, and I'm pretty optimistic person. But I, mm. I just knew, and uh, so that next morning, um, sick call for our pediatrician. You just go in, and um, and uh, so we get there, and. Um, we see, luckily, our pediatrician is there because there's seven or so in the practice. And we get back there, and the funny, not the funny, but the reason why she, one, knew something was gone, going on uh, more so than I feel like the Lord just led her, um, is we had just been there for his well child checkup two weeks before. Mm -hmm. And he checked out fine. You know, healthy kid. Yeah. Perfectly fine wow. uh, well child check two weeks before his diagnosis. And um, so anyways, she, I walk in, she looks at my face, and she's like, what's going on? I was like, well, he has um, a random fever and a swollen gland and spots on his abdomen. And she said, Andrea, I want you to lay down on the table. I'm going to feel your liver and your spleen. And she did. And they were both swollen. And she sat him up. And she said, well, she said, I have a feeling you already, you know, I'm sure I looked like a mess. <laughs> and she was like, you know, and still, Lee at home, Lee and I are both optimistic. Lee at home's like, ah, you just need to take him in. You know, he mm -hmm. stayed home with the other boys and I took him. So, you know, um, but I just knew. And uh, so 
she had him sit up. She said, um, you know, I, I don't want you to go home. I'm going to call Lee, and I want you and Andrew to go straight over to CHKD, and I'll get him going, and I'll call ahead to the hospital. She says, I, I want you to know, or she said, you know, something along the lines of, I think you probably already have a guess of what I'm suspecting, and I said, leukemia, and she said, well, yes, some, maybe some form of cancer, but it could also be an autoimmune disorder, you know, some, something else going on in his blood, or, or she gave us, you know, gave me some other uh, possible options, and I just was like, okay. And um, so Andrew and I go, we, we go to the hospital, and um, that's a hard drive. Yeah. Um, and uh, he heard the conversation, you know, again, we're just... I'm trying to be optimistic and not really discuss it too much with him. And um, so we get there, and um, they run a bunch of tests on Andrew, and um, the blood work, his blood work's not that off, you know. So there's nothing overwhelmingly, yes, this is definitively cancer from looking at this blood. You know, we're not going to, you know, let y'all go home. Um, so I, you know, I, and there's so much to this story and so many ways that God showed up. But in that moment, um, Lee goes out to start making some phone calls because at this point our family doesn't know, mm -hmm. nobody knows anything. And he goes out to make a couple of phone calls and get some people praying. And I start texting and I just needed somebody to show up right then. And right then, sweetest female, um, uh, uh, chaplain came in from the hospital and prayed with me, and um, and then you know I text and Kimmy and all my Bible study friends and anybody <laughs> that I could think of who I knew would just start praying on our behalf would. And um, so the oncologist on call comes in and he says, "Well, he said, um, you know, it could be cancer. Um, I, you know, there's not his blood work, his numbers aren't aren't that off." And um, it could be, you know, something else going on. Uh, mono can even cause some of these symptoms. Um, so he was leaning towards sending us home that night and having us come back for blood work in a couple days. Mm -hmm. So uh, my husband um, is a thorough kind of guy mm -hmm. and a thinker and was quick enough on his feet. And he just responded like most parents will do in certain situations that this was your son, what would you do? And he said, well, I would probably stay and have the bone marrow biopsy because that would be the next step. That would be the only way to get a definitive answer. Um, yeah. and, and they would do that anyways if they believed it was cancer. So we spent the night um, and went from there. So uh, as um, they're, we're down in the emergency room, so as the, uh, they're getting wheeled up, I had run to the car. So Lee is walking with Andrew up into the eighth floor of the oncology unit. Um, and this is October, and the little boy we prayed for, Gideon, um, was still in treatment. And as um, Lee's, you know, walking beside Andrew's bed and they're wheeling him in, um, there's little Gideon standing outside the empty room that Andrew's getting wheeled into. Yeah, passing out candy. And so, um, you know, I'm sure it was a shocker to Jenny. Gideon's mom standing there seeing somebody sort of familiar, but she didn't really know Lee. Um, and so, you know, just what a awkward, weird yeah. uh, blessing and coincidence yeah. all in, in one. Um, so that, that was just one way. So that we saw God's hand early on, and um, the more time that Lee and I had to think of 
all of the ways the Lord went before us was just amazing. And, and there's more. So um, Andrew gets his bone marrow biopsy, spends the night, gets his bone marrow biopsy. Um, we have to make a decision really quickly um, as for treatment. So he gets diagnosed. Yes, it's leukemia. It's um, acute lymphoblastic leukemia uh, T-cell. Um, so T-cell is is more aggressive um, than B cell ALL and which just means that a lot of times they, they just use different protocols to treat it a little more aggressively um, and then and then there's risk categories um, within uh, each diagnosis too so Andrew is, is considered he's high risk because it's T cell but then he's at a lower risk and this risk is just in relapse so his his chance of a relapse um, is the risk assessment. Mm. Um, so anyhow, um, he gets his diagnosis and um, they come with us. And I, I'm this mom um, who never really gave my kids Tylenol. <laughs> so if I could avoid um, any kind of medicine, antibiotic, uh, that, that was me. And um, I don't really take them myself unless I have to. I just, I'm, you know, nothing mm -hmm. against it. But it was just you know, if we can do something else um, and get through this without, then that's what we're going to do. So um, they come with you with a, a treatment plan. And um, our, the oncologist who was assigned, wound up being assigned to us, and she's perfect for us. But mm -hmm. um, but anyways, um, she came and delivered this uh, protocol. Um, it was like 20 pages of medicines uh, and haha -ha, medicines um it's really poison <laughs> that's what chemotherapy is but yeah. um but anyways 20 pages of these chemicals that they want to pump through my child um and you know I have no experience with them yeah. at all and we need to decide and be ready to meet in the boardroom the next morning with like 15 people so um and we had to decide that night do we want to be a part of this protocol um it, and uh, it was going to be new to the hospital, um, was going to open up, um, and we'll get to that in a minute because it's just another crazy God story. So um, Lee has a cousin who's at the University of Florida who is a research scientist there, professor. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we is kind of cousin you kind of don't talk to, but he's yeah. there. And so um, Lee's mom stays in touch with him. And she, you know, got word of what Andrew's going through. She calls Scotty. Um, and, uh, Scotty, uh, typically I, I believe, and I, I can get some of his story mixed up, but he typically does his research on diabetes, but mm -hmm. had recently done some on leukemia <laughs> and knew lots of contacts and was going to call around to his, you know, uh, cronies <laughs> and, um, see, you know, tell me in your story, see what they suggest. And he would get back to us, um, and, and let us know. Yeah. So he gets back with Lee and, um, or not that night, but, but they had communicated to see if he could sit in. Cause this is just somebody else that maybe have heard of some of this mm -hmm. stuff or even understand the biology and chemistry behind it. The words yeah. they're speaking to us. And so he asked, um, Lee asked uh, Scotty if he'd sit in on our meeting the next morning and ask our oncologist if, um, he would also sit in. Uh, if it was okay for him to sit in on the meeting. And when we say sit in, it, you know, phone in. Um, and so the oncologist, she was like, okay, well, let me look into him. So she went home and looked at him, looked <laughs> up his credentials, you know, he's got a published paper, you know, yeah. the whole deal. He's got his own lab. And so, um, 
So yes, she was more than happy to let him sit in on our behalf and listen. And so um, we get in there. There's social workers. There's an oncologist. Mm. Um, we're allowed to have family there. My family's closer, so they were able to get there in time. So it was my mom and dad, um, nurses, a student doctor. I'm thinking there's at least 12 people in there. Um, so before we begin, Lee and I open up in prayer and, um, and so that was a hard prayer to pray, but, yeah. um, we just really invited God to be a part of that. And, um, and he was, and so we prayed and they start discussing and Dr. Pegram, Andrew's oncologist noticed, you know, um, Lee's cousin, Scotty hadn't really said anything. So she was like, um, so each protocol, each form of treatment plan has, is assigned a number, um, or clinical trial is really what it is. So it, protocol clinical trial. Um, so Andrew uh, is a part of a clinical trial and each one um, is assigned a number and that's what they, they you know, you can identify them by. And so um, Dr. Pegram in the meeting, she asked Scotty, Scotty, you know, do you, which his name is Richard Scott. So, <laughs> I, or is, you know. so anyways, um, she uh, asked him um, if he had anything to add and he was like, well, I just need to know one thing. I, I'm just curious what the um, trial number is that you're looking at. And she read it off and he said, well, that's the same exact one I have sitting in front of me. Wow. And so the other crazy thing about that is, um, so clinical trials um, will become available at different hospitals, from my understanding, at different times. Well, this particular clinical trial came open just hours before Andrew was the first one at CHKD on that particular clinical trial. Mm -hmm. So God's timing... Um, his connection there uh, with Scotty and just putting that together was just, just something, something was, you know, going on, something was stirring and still Lee and I hadn't had much time to really like process all this, right. Yeah. Or to see God's hand. So I hadn't been home. It had been like three, four days since uh, the, we took Andrew to the ER. So I hadn't been home to see my other boys or anything of that sort. So, or shower, or get more clothes. And so, um, I came home, and I just started thinking back, like, wow, God, you know, you showed up. Mm -hmm. um, the year, you know, we had almost a year of Lee being in business for himself, which allowed for so much family time. Mm -hmm. um, we had a great year. Uh, you know, he, he was doing well with his business. We had extra funds. We had extra time. We had this, like, restorative year of family life, um, you know, we, uh, my boys had been introduced to kids with cancer. Yeah. Um, we had, you know, it became something that wasn't so foreign to us. Um, just so many, oh, there's something else I'm forgetting too. So because Lee went into business for himself, um, we had to get insurance on our end. And so, um, you know, the Affordable Health Care Act isn't really affordable for anyone who makes a decent amount of money. And so we couldn't even afford the Affordable Health Care um, Program for ourselves. And so we had to find other means. And so we decided, Lee decided, and I agreed, <laughs> um, that we would become a part of a program called MediShare. Mm -hmm. It's a Christian sharing program um, similar to insurance. Um, where you give, you know, you give your monthly amount, you can give over it, you can personally help someone with their 
medical needs, um, and I really thought it was going to be hokey. I, you know, I was like, well, we don't have a choice. We'll give it a shot, you know. Um, Well, we signed on uh, 93 days before Andrew's diagnosis, and we needed to be signed on for 90 days before. Mm. Um, Yeah. And so what is such a huge blessing with that is um, any other insurance that we had ever been a part of and that we would have been a part of is an 80-20 split. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Andrew's cost of care, at, you know, just right off the bat was over $100,000 for that initial Jeez. stay in the hospital. Um, and so now we're looking at almost three years later and his cost of care is into the millions. So, yeah. um there's programs out there and there's help out there if you make less than a certain amount, and I'm thankful they're out there. But if you make a penny over, <laughs> there's not as much. And so one of the blessings is we have not had to deal with that 80-20 split. So mm-hmm. if Lee would not have gone into business for himself, mm-hmm. um, we wouldn't have been forced, you know, what we thought we were being forced into choosing another healthcare situation. But looking at it now, we were being blessed mm-hmm. yeah. by that situation. And so I go home from the hospital and Andrew's first diagnosis. I'm getting my first shower and um, I get a phone call and I'm seriously just trying to grab clothes, um, wash my hair and um, get back to the hospital. And I'm just sitting there thinking of God's, the way God moved, you know, the way he arranged these people in our lives mm-hmm. these decisions we made um, just thanking him and so I'm drying my hair and um, I spend a lot of time in the word but I'm not one to remember uh, passages right. like actual I'll remember the, the the words I won't ex- actually remember the book of the bible and the chapter it's in so I'm yeah. drying my hair and the Lord just put on my heart it's like Deuteronomy 31 8 Deuteronomy 31 8 and like okay like so much so that I put the hair dryer down I walked in my bedroom my bible sitting there open it up and I read the scripture and so I'll I'll read it right now because it is just it is what he did (laughs) and um the scripture says the Lord himself goes before you (laughs) it will make me cry the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you he will never leave you nor forsake you do not be afraid do not be discouraged so I said that's it that's it that's what the Lord has done. He's gone before us. Mm -hmm. And so I will not be discouraged. And I will try my hardest not to be afraid. Um, And that scripture was just like, thank you, God. Like, so I am drying, go back to blow and dry my hair because I got to get that hair dry before I go to the hospital. (laughs) And um, so my sister-in-law calls and, you know, everybody's got word of this, you know, and the first thing everybody wants to do that loves you is help you. You know, like, what can I do? Yeah. And so she makes jewelry, and so she um, had the idea. She was like, I'm going to make bracelets. Is there a scripture that you would like me to put on the back of the bracelets? <laughs> of course. I was like, well, yes, there is. And God knew that you were going to call, and I needed the scripture, and that is the scripture. Yeah. And I, I didn't even tell her all that because I didn't have time. I was literally trying to get off. So I was like, yes, Deuteronomy 31. <laughs> and I was, so I get back to the hospital and I tell me about that. And it was just like, um, we're crazy sad and crazy scared. But that was just, you know, God's faithfulness when you obey is amazing. And, um, you know, we are still walking through it. Andrew is, uh, he is, let's see, he has six months left. So he 
almost 34 months into treatment. Um, and we don't know. You know, we don't know what his story's going to look like. Mm -hmm. um, every time I walk in that clinic, it's full. And the statistic is one in five children will not make it. Mm -hmm. And that's one in five children no matter the diagnosis. And we've lost five kids that we know mm -hmm. um, since Andrew started, two with the same diagnosis. And so we don't know. We, you know, we don't know what it's going to look like. Um, we're believing. Um, and uh, we're believing that Andrew um, is cancer-free and will mm -hmm. remain that way. And um, so with leukemia, you are put into remission. The goal is, not everybody is, but it lowers your risk category. So if you're put into remission, the goal is to get you in remission within um, the first 20, oh gosh, my memory is getting more. Mm -hmm. The first 28 days, very, very soon compared to other cancers. Um, and um, if they get you into remission that quickly, well, then your prognosis is better. Mm -hmm. And so Andrew was. He was put into remission. And so uh, with leukemia, um, they've learned over trial and unfortunately error um, that they need to keep treating or else it'll just come back. And mm -hmm. so they have determined that for boys, um, it's about uh, three years after this, a certain phase of their treatment. Um, and, uh, and, and, then you, the statistics are better. And yeah. so they just learned to, to keep treating them. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's really um, when I, you know, thought about what to share with you guys. That's it. You know, um, if you're obedient, you don't know why he's asking you to quit your job and go yeah. into business for yourself or homeschool your kids and, and you never really thought you ever would. Yeah. Uh, those kind of crazy wild decisions, sometimes they're not just to bless you. Right, mm -hmm. because it's going to be easy. Mm -hmm. There, it's really um, to set you up for something that God knows you're going to walk through. Mm -hmm. And um, and I'm just so thankful. I'm thankful that He did go before us, and I'm so thankful that we we obeyed. And uh, you know, the blessing of the homeschooling has been my boys have been together. Mm -hmm. Andrew's missed no school. Um, you know, there's been days we didn't do school, of course, mm -hmm. um, but. You know, there's no pressure. There's no outside voice on my family, um, you know, speaking into it right now. And my older boys uh, aren't feeling left out because I'm at the hospital, um, you know, because Lee's been able to work from home and stay home with them. Or when Andrew is sick, they're home, and Andrew's not just stuck with mom. He's kind of sad and tired. <laughs> they, he has his brothers to yeah. keep him going. And so, you know, just... So many ways that God prepared us, and we were just thinking, you know, Lee needed a break from working all those hours. That's mm -hmm. why God wanted him to go into business for himself, and, uh, you know, we were happy with the schools, but, you know, maybe God just, you know, wants us to bring him home for some other reason. You know, mm -hmm. it never in a million years would we think, hey, that girl that we built that swing set for, we now see in the clinic all the time. Mm -hmm. Um you know, we just, we would have never realized those things, and we're just thankful, you know, and we're not thankful. <laughs> Maybe one day we'll get there where we're thankful for the situation we're walking through, but I'm thankful for God's faithfulness, so. So, as Kimmy and I are both crying, <laughs> I know. I hearing your hard. story, <laughs> no, can you share with us a little bit about your experience with CHKD, and just, because um, 
for our listeners that maybe aren't in the Hampton Roads, that is a huge children's, the main children's hospital here in this area, and um, probably the biggest hospital in the area in general. So um, just what's your experience with them and his oncologist and his team? And um, um, Yes, we have been so happy with CHKD. Um, they are just amazing um, from mm-hmm. the people who greet you, um, you know, the ladies at the security desk now know us, you know, to go yeah. to the second floor <laughs> where the oncology uh, clinic is, you have to tell them you're going there. And now they just look up and smile. And mm-hmm. the ladies who greet us, so this is funny too, another coincidence. So mm-hmm. the church we uh, switched to where I met Kimmy and Community Church and Jenny and Gideon, well, the front desk lady at the oncology clinic uh, also stands on stage and sings tongues sometimes, Miss mm-hmm. Angie, and she's a secretary in there. Um, so there's wonderful secretaries, um, uh, and then you get in the back, and the oncologists are all wonderful. Mm-hmm. I do believe that God gave us the one that we were meant to get, yeah. and she's just um, she's just wonderful. She's not super soft because Lee and I don't want you just to tell us what we want to hear mm-hmm. we want to hear it all mm-hmm. and um and she we also uh, Lee and I both have our undergraduates in biology and mm-hmm. um my personality type if you know personality types I'm an INTJ <laughs> Enneagram 5 so I'm a researcher thinker I'm going to ask you a lot of questions mm-hmm. um and she loves it you know, she's not offended by it. Yeah. She she was, you know, some oncologists might have got offended by Lee's cousin sitting in, you yeah. know, or, or a little, you know, like, I've got this. We don't need his right. opinion. You know, um, but she's welcoming, and she wants to make us as comfortable as we can through this process. And I, and I believe that's true of all, all of the oncologists there. And then, so we first had this wonderful nurse, Tawana, mm-hmm. and she was uh, pregnant. And so when she had her second baby, she decided not to come back to CHPD and she's um, moved. And so then you're um, matched with the children are matched with uh, um, the oncology patients are matched with the nurse and that's the primary nurse. Well, then you have the secondary nurse in case mm-hmm. she's ever sick. Well, the secondary nurse was the only male nurse in the whole, you know, oncology unit upstairs or with your admitted and downstairs. Yeah. Um, there, there may be another male now, but he was the only one and he's the youngest of three boys, just like Andrew. Mm-hmm. And his name is Rob and he is fantastic. And uh, we're just very thankful for them. And, um, and then there's a wonderful child life specialist who their jobs are just to make it as fun as they can in there. Right. Um, when you walk in there, it seems like it might be such a sad place. And if you look at the parents' faces, <laughs> you might get, um, that it is pretty heavy in there, but the children are having a blast and, um, they're playing games and there's therapy dogs and, um, people playing Play-Doh with them or, you know, people stopping by famous baseball players or, or mm-hmm. whatever. They try to make it as fun as they can in there mm-hmm. for the children and, um, and we're just, blown away by their kindness and the social workers. If there is a problem, um, they'll know. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I had one one low point, a financially low point walk by one time and she was just like, Wheelie and I so that's another that's a whole nother story is <laughs> the humbling um that Lee and I have had to walk through because we were the givers um before this and financially we were able to and um 
So to be on the receiving end is, is different for us. But um, one day it was kind of tight. And um, while, you know, that we don't have that 80-20 split, we play, you know, quite a bit and just co-pays and mm-hmm. pharmacy and then, you know, all, all the stuff that adds up that you don't even really think about. And um, it was a tight month. And um, then she walked by, the social worker, and she was just like, are you okay? And like, I just welled up with tears, mm-hmm. and I'm not that person in there. And she was like, do you need something? And so I told her what our need was. She called me the next day, and she met it. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, there's just amazing people. And I can tell you, too, this is something else I want to speak, because um, at this point we are in a culture, I think everybody wants to um, be so distrustful mm-hmm. and um God is in all things, and mm-hmm. so he is in that cancer clinic, and he is a part of these trials, and he is a part of those doctors and their education and their faithfulness, mm-hmm. and I have seen so much of him through these people, selfless people, you know, giving up their life, giving up right. their family, they're there. Some of these oncologists are mothers, and, you know, they're they're putting other people's children above them because that's Mm -hmm. what they've been called to do. And, um, you know, I, I, I've just seen so much to where, um, you know, we, we need to trust the people who've been educated, um, in whatever field and it may not look natural and it may not look like it's of God because it didn't come from the earth, Mm -hmm. but God also gave us minds, you know, Mm -hmm. and, we're made to be creative in his image. Yeah. And there are some people who have done amazing things and want to do more. Mm-hmm. And we just need to trust God first. And, and then, and so. Yeah. Is that an everyday obstacle you come across? Getting unwanted medical advice, <laughs> opinions? Um, you know, it's not so much anymore. You know, I, I think it's settled down a lot. And I've settled down a lot. <laughs> and so I had to, um, I like how you put that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I had to just say some people believe this is helpful yeah, <laughs> and they think they're helping me. And then some people are just very ignorant. One of my favorite sayings is ignorance isn't bliss. It's yes. just ignorance. It's just, yeah. And, and I don't mean that so much negatively. It's just, they have no idea what they're talking about. They're letting mm-hmm. Facebook mm-hmm. Um, be their teacher mm-hmm. <laughs> and um you know so much is driven by fear and um yeah fear is a huge part of what drives people to do a lot of things share information mm-hmm. um it's what a lot of companies use to get you to buy their products yes yeah. um, it's everywhere and you know every thought we need to take before the lord and mm-hmm. so um in action, you know, I mean, uh, and so before I respond to some of those unwanted, um, helpful people, I try to take it before the Lord and, um, and just realize that they don't know. And, mm-hmm. um, and I know and what I'm doing and it's clear that God was a part of this, yeah. that I'm doing all I can and I'm doing the right thing until further notice from mm-hmm. God. And so, all that to say, um, yeah, there's there's a lot out there, and I just hope that everyone um, understands that you have no idea until you're in that situation, and um, and you're not always right. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. So kind of on the same line as that, um, the unwanted medical advice, <laughs> since Andrew's diagnosis and since his um, treatment, you said he's almost he's almost done with treatment. Um, what are some things that you've had to walk through with him or that he's had to walk through um, that maybe people just don't know about, like yeah. just things that affect his everyday life that wouldn't affect a healthy child. Um, can you share some insight on that? Um, one thing that I was totally ignorant to speaking of ignorance before this is that, um, leukemia treatment is three years, you know? And and so it's really for Andrew, it's 40 months. So, you know, almost three and a half years. And, um, I had no idea that these kids went through that much treatment. You know, leukemia is, uh, highly curable. If you, trust in statistics. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take one statistics class in college, you know how much you can trust in statistics. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, they can make it look like whatever they want. Um, yeah. And so, uh, but the cure rates have improved mm-hmm. and, um, and, and that's incredible. And that comes off the backs of people who are willing to research mm-hmm. and try new chemotherapies. And, um, and I'm thankful and, and, um, yeah, there's a lot to that. That's just amazing to see how far we've come just since the 1960s. Yeah. Um, uh, so for Andrew, he, um, another thing that I think is, is something that just, you know, makes you think you don't know what somebody's walking through by looking at him. So Andrew yeah. has a full head of hair. Um, yet he, for the last two and a half years, he takes chemo every day. Mm. Um, one chemo every day. Once a week, he takes another chemo. So on Monday nights, he's taking uh, 15 and a half chemo pills. Um, and then once a month, he gets the chemotherapy into his uh, portocatheter. That's into his um, mm-hmm. chest. And um, that is a chemotherapy called fincristine. And then um, now that he's been in this phase for over a year... He gets a spinal tap, um, which uh, goes into his spine, you know, it's a lumbar puncture, and um, they remove some spinal fluid so they can test that to make mm-hmm. sure it's healthy cells. And then they inject the same amount of chemotherapy and one called methotrexate into his spinal fluid, and they do that so that it will wash over his brain. Mm-hmm. And so um, it is just amazing what he has gone through yeah. and what we've been spared from because yeah. um, neurotoxicity is very common and um, and uh, and that's from the methotrexate. Um, he does not show any uh, side effects as of yet mm-hmm. uh, as far as any kind of cognitive damage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's a huge blessing. Um, the vincristine can cause things like neuropathy, which is similar to what diabetics get, where they lose feeling in their extremities. Mm-hmm. Um, he experiences a little bit of that <laughs> just yeah. the other day. He is so funny. This kid does not complain. You ask him, um, and his, his uh, oncologist loves this about him, but you ask him what pills you take. He knows the name of them. <laughs> he knows how many he takes on what day. And he has. He was eight at diagnosis. He's ten. The boy knows his stuff, and he keeps me straight because every time we go, depending on his blood counts, he may change the dosage a little bit. Mm-hmm. The kid's got it. Like he <laughs> listens to it, and he is on it because he knows that the biggest, uh, the biggest um, cause of 
relapse. One of the most known causes of relapse is children not taking their medicine right. at home like they should, you know, and it's not, it's chemotherapy. So I, I, I tend to call it medicine a lot, but that, you know, chemotherapy is trying to prevent any cancer cells that may arise mm-hmm. and, and kill them. So it's so crucial to them to take that medicine. And Andrew gets that, you know, he gets it. He, he understands, luckily he's old enough to understand. And so we're good checks and balances. Um, I mean, there's been times where he's fallen asleep and he wakes up, mom, I need my medicine. You know, that's happened twice mm-hmm. <laughs> that I have missed it and he's helped me. So I don't want y'all to think I'm totally a oh, no, mom. Not at all. But, um, but he is on it. And that, so that's Andrew. He's just um, amazing. He does not complain um, at all. He, he, he wants me to be honest. And so I'm honest. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I've, we've had to have these discussions that honey, I don't know. I don't know the end of the story, but I, I know the end of your story mm-hmm. and in your stories you're going to heaven. Mm-hmm. And so we've, you know, that's something we've really had to just think about like, and, and express and talk about as a family with my, my other sons. Mm-hmm. Worst case scenario for Andrew is he dies and goes to heaven. Mm-hmm. That's not a worst case scenario. You know, it's really not. It will suck for me, mm-hmm. and it will suck for his brothers and his dad and everyone who loves him, but he'll be in heaven, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's something that's, you know, amazingly hard, but that's what gives me hope. You know, that's what that's what pulls me through when I don't know how it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that was maybe a little bit of a squirrel. But, um, <laughs> but <okay. laughs> back to the side effects. So Andrew, we went on vacation to um, Ocean City, Maryland, an organization called Believe in Tomorrow um, uh, gives respite care, which, you know, is, is time away as a family. And they have homes um, up and down the East Coast. And so they blessed us with a trip to Ocean City, Maryland. And so we went and we ate a lot of crabs. Andrew loves seafood. He's the only kid, probably on the oncology unit, <laughs> that orders fish when he's face there and stinks <laughs> up the place. I didn't even know CHKD has fish on the menu, but they do. And he eats it. He loves seafood. So we were in Ocean City and we peeled a lot of shrimp. <laughs> and so we come back and we get back on Sunday. His oncology appointment's on Mondays. Um, he goes in and, you know, he had started um, complaining some of his feet a little bit. And, I mean, he gets tired, you know, so, but I, I still make him exercise because he also takes steroids every month and steroids will make you hold on to about 10, 15 pounds, mm-hmm. little round tummy, chubby cheeks. That's He's adorable. Right, right. <laughs> and, um, and so my family is all pretty thin and it's been, you know, Andrew doesn't, he kind of makes light of it, but I know it bothers him. Yeah. So anyways... Um, I make him exercise um, just to get him moving, and um, but he complains of his feet. So the doctor always asks anything new going on, and so he had just briefly mentioned to me that his left tip of his left pointer finger he couldn't really feel well, and so the, the oncologist's like, "Well, when do you notice this? When you?" If she plays the piano. And Andrew plays the piano, so they have that in common. She's like, when you play the piano? He's like, no, only when I kill shrimp or I try to open a water bottle. <laughs> so, so he has a little bit of neuropathy, um, and it hinders him in peeling shrimp and opening his water bottle. But on a very serious note, that same um, chemotherapy can cripple children for periods of time. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of children wind up in wheelchairs mm-hmm. and um, from the Vincristine and have to relearn to walk again. Mm-hmm. And um, so we are just blessed and um god is good god is good 
And, um, and so we're just believing he's going to keep trucking. Um, at this point, we're just head down and, like, going to get through this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how are you going to celebrate? Oh, I, you know, we're really thinking about it. And so one thing um, that people don't realize, um, when you have the port catheter in, you can't go into any kind of stagnant water, right? Because it, it's yeah. more um, apt to carry some sort of bacteria. Mm-hmm. Right organism that you don't want to be a part of even if you're healthy Mm -hmm. um but we love going to Lake Gaston and so you know that summer vacation that you always did as a kid that's kind of what we had started doing um is taking the boys to the lake my husband's not a fan of the beach I love the beach Lee would Mm -hmm. rather be on a boat away from sand and um and so uh we um uh, want to go take Andrew to Lake Gaston and um, get in the lake and the boat and let him enjoy that um, because we've done a lot of beach vacations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, not a lot, but we've been to the beach. We're blessed to live close. And so, um, and he's is able to go. My, my dad lives on James River, so he can go in there because it's very tidal, but just not the lake. So we're hoping to take him to the lake. And, you know, I, um, I want to thank, uh, that's, that's a whole other thing. We've, we've had people, um, really just step up and, um, we have somebody we don't even know. That sends us, um, oh, make me cry, but sends us part fresh gift cards every month. And I don't even know who this person is. Um, and that, that goes straight to helping pay for Andrew's medicine. So when we go into CHKD pharmacy to pick up his medicine, you know, um, we pay out of pocket. And uh, so, you know, you get up there, people go in front of you, and then it gets to you, and they're like, oh, we're so sorry. You know, um, so that person knew about this from if they're a friend of a friend, the friend also gives us a farm fresh gift card. This other person, um, they've helped people, they've given their bone marrow before, so they've donated bone marrow to someone, and so they're they're able to financially help, and so they they monthly give us a gift card. So there's people like that that financially Mm. helped us, um, that we would just like to thank publicly in person even though they probably will not show up and will not want public recognition (laughs) um because that's how humble people are um but then there's also people who have just been with us you know it's not something you want to have to walk through with someone it's hard um and we're just thankful for the people who keep showing up you know keep checking on us and uh there's so many people not necessarily it's taken me a while to accept that even some family um they're just not there mm-hmm. and but maybe they're just not meant to be so mm-hmm. other people can be and um so you know we just there's so many people that we just want to thank and so how is he's done in february february 16th um, of 2018 and um, so that's kind of cold, but we yeah. could a space <laughs> or come up with something. But um, yeah, we would like an opportunity to, to go to the lake and just thank the people mm-hmm. that have helped us and, uh, yeah. some way. Yeah. That's amazing. So um, I'm sure you've had an opportunity to do this because I know you've probably met new moms, or not new moms, but families who are new to this diagnosis mm-hmm. and walking through this. Mm-hmm. But um what advice do you give them, or do you give them any? <laughs> I'm sure prayer is number yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Um, unfortunately, now at this point, when we're in the clinic, I'm not really meeting the new people, but I have along mm-hmm. the way, and um, most of the parents in there aren't looking 
for advice, right. you know, they come in and you see them and you're like, gosh, that's how I look. They have this mm-hmm. deer in headlights look and they're just holding it together. And mm-hmm. literally most of them have to hold their children down, you know, to get yeah. to get treatment or to get poked one more time. And, mm-hmm. and so um, just smiling and recognizing that they're there. I, I, I do see needs um, and I'm still praying um, and, and trying to figure out how I can meet some of those needs um, or if I'm supposed to. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, I, I, I don't. But I, I do try to be as friendly as I can to the yeah. new families. And um, there's resources. You know, there's, you know, like the Believe in Tomorrow Foundation that, um, you know, gives vacations to yeah. families. And um, there are different resources for different things, medicines and, and things like that for people who qualify. And... Um, and so any resource that I know of, there's a fantastic um, book, um, and the same author has written several um, for pediatric cancer, depending on the diagnosis, so I tell them about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I try to share the resources because you don't even, you know, you don't, it's like until you're pregnant, you don't even know there's pregnant people out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, <laughs> wow, you mean there's so many of us out there and there really are and there's there's so many wonderful people just wanting to help Mm -hmm. so um that's the main thing I I try to do is share any resources I know of yeah um and then just be there with a smile and Mm -hmm. um and a friendly face yeah we've um my husband's from Memphis Tennessee so St. Jude has a huge presence in Memphis so I would assume you probably feel the same way um as about CHKD is like we're big supporters of St. Jude just because it's such a huge resource. And we do have a close family or a close friend that they had walked through leukemia and are still walking through it um, with their young daughter. So I know, I guess just, you've got to be so grateful that CHKD is in our backyard. Yes. You know, because with them, it was the same way with them. They literally, um, they live in Memphis and St. Jude is right there, but they know so many that are uprooted. Um, Mm that, you know, have to fly or travel to St. Jude and, and are there for years. Right. And, I mean, the hospital is great to them, but I'm sure that... Right. Yeah, depending on the diagnosis and the trials available, you've mm-hmm. got to go where the trial is. Mm-hmm. And so um, St. Jude is a hospital that does a lot of experimental stuff. Yeah. And so, um, which trials are, I mean, it, it's all, they're all practicing medicine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, but... But um, so a lot of the trials at St. Jude's are experimental. And so if they've exhausted all the resources at maybe their local hospitals, St. Jude's might have a trial that they can get to be a part of. But um, and then, like you said, they do. They have to uproot their family Mm -hmm. and um, and go. And uh, so it's a real need out there. Yeah. So one of the coolest things is... um, when everything first started with Amy, um, I didn't really know how to help. Mm-hmm. And so I knew how to put on a meal train. Mm-hmm. And one of the coolest things ever was this woman who had just met me, not that far ahead, gave yeah. me a key to her house. Uh, <laughs> the women who rallied around her were all women that she had poured into. She had smiled. Mm-hmm. She had loved from afar. Mm-hmm. And then um, that was just something that I really enjoyed doing. 
because I knew Hungry Boys. Mm-hmm. And then a good friend of both of ours showed up one day and scrubbed Amy's entire house. Mm-hmm. And the entire time, Amy didn't want to receive it. She was like, you don't need, no, 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 you don't need to do that. And, and this girl looked at her and said, I don't care what you think. Timmy has a key. Yeah. And uh, it was really, it was an honor because of how much she had poured into so many people like selfishly mm-hmm. and she is so humble and she is so full of the Lord to be able to give back to her that I think you all understand why from this interview and this talk today is why she's a mentor of mine, mm-hmm. why she is someone I admire and I hold in high regard and she is just someone that I love to pieces mm-hmm. and I'm sure you're all in love with her and I'm sure you're all going to friend request her on Facebook. <laughs> just don't send any stupid things. Right. <laughs> Because I will come after you. (laughs) Just no medical advice. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, what is the greatest thing you have taken away from all of this? Um, Just that we can trust the plans God has for us. You know, when we feel that he's leading us in a direction, you know, whether you feel like you audibly hear something on your spirit, like bring them home like I did, or whether you just know and you've prayed and there's confirmation um, that it's time to make some sort of decision that seems scary. If it's from the Lord, um, you might not always reap a, reap a blessing mm-hmm. right from it, right? It may not be, oh, um, you know, change your job and go with this one because you're going to make more money. You know, mm-hmm. it, it may not be, um, you know, whatever that, that would just reap a blessing right away. But it, it may be that God's setting you up for the best success of something that's coming, you know? Mm -hmm. And so just to trust the plans God has for you. And I wrote, you know me, Kimmy, but I wrote down a whole bunch of scripture, but I will just read one. And because this one's one we all hear, and I just think in our family's instance that it really means something different to me now, having walked through this. But it's um, Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, the plans God has for us are for our welfare, you know, mm-hmm. and, and not for evil. They're, they're for our future, you know. The plans God had and the decisions he was leading us into, the way he went before us, was for our future, mm-hmm. and it gave us a hope. Mm-hmm. You know, when we saw God's faithfulness, like, you know, you showed up, Lord. Um, it gives us so much hope. Um, and He, you call on Him, and He hears you, you know. And that's, okay, I, I, I'll admit, I have one ugly real moment with God. <laughs> um, you know, you hear people like, how could you do this? Lord? I never, because I saw his hand in it all, I was never um, so just shocked and taken back and, um, and angry. I didn't experience a lot of anger other than when it finally hit me the, the weight of what I couldn't protect my son from mm-hmm. and what he was going to have to endure. Um, I very much uh, challenged if that's even a good word to say, um, God, that, Lord, I need to see you every day. Every day. If I'm going to get up from this bed 
and take my son to get another spinal tap. Andrew's now had 30 spinal taps. Mm. You know, if, I, if I'm going to see him on that table, watch him get put under anesthesia, um, not knowing what's going to I need to see you every day. You need to show up in some way. And so that end of that Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, it says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I have, you know, mm -hmm. he, when I can honestly focus, like, or just say, Lord, I need to see you today. When I seek him, he shows up. And it may be something as simple as when I merged to go through the tunnel, <laughs> I got in right there before you, you go through the midtown tunnel. Or it might be, you know, um, an answer prayer of Andrew's blood counts are good and they haven't been. Or, or you know, just when I seek him, I'll find him. And so Jeremiah 29, 11 is so much more than God has a good plan for me in the future. You know, how I looked at it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's still okay to look at it that way. But it, it just speaks so much more to me now. And so I just felt like I needed to share that one. Yeah. <laughs> so these are Amy Jepson golden nuggets. <laughs> and when you have questions in life and you're trying to get a hold of your mama or older sister, <laughs> I just want you all to replay this podcast yeah. uh, because you will get these. And if you follow Amy's... Um, they have a site in Army, Andrew's Army. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can follow that on Facebook. She will post these little nuggets too. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But she's just an amazing woman, and I'm just I'm grateful and I'm thankful that you've shared your story. Yeah, um, it's yeah. been inspiring to watch you walk through it. Mm -hmm. It's inspiring to see how this has uh, made your marriage stronger. Yeah. it's inspiring to see how your family has rallied around you, mm -hmm. and. Uh, when we talked about doing this, you were the first one because you are an inspiration and just love you. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's been great. Yeah, just thank you for sharing. Yes, thank Andrew you for with us. Yeah, it's um, absolutely. You know, it is good. Uh, I, the Lord has put it on my heart. You know, I, I've gone through where I want to share so much mm -hmm. when social media. It's to where I I don't. You know, and. and but it is, awareness is key. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just kind of understanding what some of the symptoms are so you can just log it, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm not to live in fear, but to just be aware. So. Aware. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So thank you for giving me the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. Well, I think we're done. <laughs> thank you for listening to Hustle & Muscle Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find Hustle & Muscle and the Thoughtbox Podcast Network on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash hustle and muscle podcast and facebook.com forward slash thoughtbox pod. Make sure to never miss an episode by subscribing on iTunes or SoundCloud. We appreciate your support.